Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of Empowered. So in today's episode, I talk with Terry the Trainer, who's actually the first male that I'm interviewing for my podcast, so that's exciting. And he's a gym owner, ministry leader, and mindset coach who is based in Houston, Texas. He's so passionate about helping people improve what he calls the whole human performance, which is the idea of becoming more fit physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So it's going to be a great episode. We really get deep into finding our core values and if we're living out our core values. So if you aren't positive what your core values are, definitely give this a listen. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get it started. Hi, Terry. Thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to talk to you about everything, you know, Jesus, health, fitness, mindset, all that good stuff. So thank you for being here. No doubt. Thank you for having me here. It's a huge pleasure to connect with you, Miranda. And like I told you before we started recording, you are the first guy on my podcast. So, you know, this is pretty awesome. Pretty excited about this. So cool. You know, I noticed that in a lot of areas, um, things can typically skew toward being male dominated. And then it's like, oh, history is being made when we have a woman do it. I am a big fan of girl power as a husband to an incredible woman and father to a gorgeous little baby girl who's just so strong and smart and amazing so I feel honored in some ways to be the first male in in this space well I love it that's that's so awesome and it's funny because when I started this podcast I kind of assumed that it would be you know a female female dominated podcast that my listeners would be but 30% of them actually are males so I think they're gonna be really excited to have a guy finally on this podcast (laughs) That's so cool. And because your listenership is predominantly female, like you said, 30% is male. So that's 70%. I imagine the ladies might appreciate or enjoy kind of hearing a perspective from a brain that's built differently. A lot of the stuff that I do is in in the area of mindset. And that's one thing I noticed that the genders will hear the same words and experience them and interpret them entirely differently. So maybe that's refreshing to some of the ladies out there that hear a male perspective on some of the same stuff that's been talked about in in female circles and conversations like this. Yes, that's so true. I just can't wait to get your point of view on on topics that I I talk about a lot. But like you said, I've mostly talked about them with with females. I think it's going to be really refreshing to hear your point of view. So for people who don't know you, who are you and what do you do? My name is Terry Williams. Uh, I'm perhaps better known as Terry the Trainer. That's my Instagram name. Um, I started out doing some personal training one-on-one with folks, then really got into working with athletes. That turned into a private practice in serving as a strength and conditioning coach for NFL and UFC athletes, just working with the guys in off-season. A lot of times guys will play for another city, but they're born and raised here in Houston. And so when they come home for the summer, I'll work with them on mechanics and power production and things like that. Absolutely the biggest sports fan ever. So it's a dream come true to be able to work with athletes. Um, I left the public space of gyms and 
country clubs and my wife and I, we dropped everything, quit our jobs and started our own gym back in 2013. Uh, on the premise that we use the principles used with elite professional athletes, but at a level that everybody can do. So everything's totally modifiable. So in a class at our gym, we'll literally have like a Super Bowl champion and a pregnant lady and a guy who's 60 years old with a bad knee and rehabbing, having to modify everything. It's literally the most inclusive group exercise experience anywhere. It's called the league. Uh, we have a signature training format called pack training. Um, so that really is like, I think what, my wife and I are most known for founding the gym. Uh, and then in recent years, we've both stepped into some other lanes that we just feel called to and purposed for. And so I've been doing ministry at Lakewood Church and uh, also doing some mindset coaching. Um, some buds and I have created a, a coaching collective called Ember and Stoke. We're working with some professional organizations. So I'm loving getting to work with pro athletes in that area as well, not just the body, but the mind too. And then combining it with what I got going on in ministry, it's starting to feel real good. So sorry, this is a long answer to the question, but that's basically the gist of who I am and what I do. I just love people, but I love the whole human. I grieve, um, I grieve at the observation that there are so many circles where we love a piece of the human, but not the whole human. Like we go to church on Sunday morning, and we nourish our spirit and it gets some reps and it gets stronger and it's in better health. And then let's be honest, we go to brunch and we say, Lord, bless this meal for the nourishment of our bodies. And we eat something that doesn't nourish our bodies, right? Or we go slam the gym so hard and you lose 10 pounds, you're looking great and great for you because you can take an awesome picture for Instagram on your summer vacation. But then it's like, how's your soul doing? Are you emotionally fit? Is your mind clear? Or have you gotten yourself into a brain fog trying to get your body to look more beautiful? So I just would say in a nutshell, I'm a person who loves people well. I love the whole human. And I like to call out the greatness I see in people that they don't see in themselves so that there can be an unlock there and people can really step into purpose and destiny. I love that. I love everything you said. And it's so true. I think a lot of us really do. Like we go into one little aspect just full force. And, you know, my podcast is called A Perfectionist Guide to Imperfection. And I think that we have that all or nothing mindset of like, I'm going to be all in with this and be amazing hundred percent, or it's going to be nothing. And like, like you said, we could be working out. I mean, that was one of my biggest struggles. I was at the gym, like two to three hours a day, every single day. And it's like, yeah, my physical fitness was amazing, but my mental health was this absolutely shattered. And it's just so important to, to hit every aspect of wellness, not just one little area of health. So what is the link between physical health and then mental health? And how can we just help both, both of those at the same time? It's a really big question. And, you know, I think that that's been a hard question that people have really wrestled with, particularly in the faith-based spectrum, because we're almost like indoctrinated into this belief system of, oh, if I'm spiritually well, everything else will work out, right? But I think we see so many examples, even biblically, like if we look at, for example, the prophet Elijah, right? Dude is a prophet <laughs> and he is anointed. He is strong spiritually, yet he very clearly has an episode where he's dealing with depression or anxiety. I mean, it's debatable. I'm not here to diagnose, but he clearly is in a bad place with his mental health and he seeks God for help on that. I think that. Um, 
there's a really important link between how well our mind is, how well our emotions are, and how well our physical body is. And all of this plays into our spiritual maturity as well. I love Dr. Anita Phillips, for example. She's a faith-based psychologist. And she talks about how there's this huge link between mental health and spiritual health. Because if you can get your emotions in order and learn how to process the way you feel about the things that you're going through, you now have a much stronger footing in your faith. You pray so much differently when you have a clear head, when you're not weighed down by brain fog, when um, you can really channel what we find in Philippians where it says, worry about nothing, but pray about everything. And then you'll get a peace that surpasses all understanding. But when I'm free from this debilitating and crippling sense of worry and anxiety, and I'm at peace with my circumstances, even if they're not favorable, if I can say, even here, even here, I'm grateful. Let me tell you, gratitude is that superpower that turns what you have into enough. And now, you're able to praise before you ever see the victory. You know, praise precedes the victory. And I'm a big believer in that. So I think if we get our physical body well, we're working out, let's say, four days out of a week, which is, you know, seven days in a week, more work days than rest days. And with no judgment on the kind of working out you're doing, right? Somebody uh, listening likes Zumba. Maybe somebody wants to get on a spin bike. I do high intensity interval training at the gym that Bird and I own. That's what we get into. And some people love it. Other people are like, whoa, too intense. I'm intimidated. That's cool. Find your jam, but moving your body four days a week, getting adequate sleep, drinking enough water, eating clean, like really taking care of your body will do a whole lot for taking care of nurturing your mind. And then the same is true as well. Taking care of your mind takes care of your body. If you have a clear head and you have the ability to not suffer under the weight of anger and regret and shame and worry and pessimism, then you're able to feel good. Your body literally hormonally has a response to that. Your cortisol, the stress hormone goes down. Your endorphins, those feel good hormones go up and you're able to say, you know what? I don't just have to motivate myself or talk myself into a workout today. Like I feel like crushing it and so I'm going to crush it. I'm gonna eat cleaner. I have no problem driving past Chick-fil-A to get home to that clean food that I bought and have prepared to meal prep. Um, so I think there's just this huge link. It's like when you get one of those domains down, it really helps to support all the others. Uh, for me, the faith piece is the big pillar. I notice that when I'm spiritually well, I am so much, I have easier access to those other domains. So does it solve everything? No, however, it does give you better access to those other domains. Yeah, everything really is linked together. And, you know, they can, you know, improving your mental health can help with your physical health and improving, you know, your spiritual health can help with your mental health and everything. But I'm sure people who are listening to this are probably just like, oh my gosh, I can barely balance this one thing in my life. How am I supposed to balance it all? And you, you're a husband, you're a dad, a mindset coach, ministry leader, gym owner, like, how do you balance it all and not get burned out? And how can we not get intimidated by, hey, you can't just be good at this one thing. You have to be good at everything. What can we do? I love that question. And for me, it's all about making systems. Um, one of my favorite books, well, let me say two of my favorite books, because this same author has two incredible pieces that are kind of like sister pieces on this, I think can help a lot of people. Um, Greg McCune, incredible author. He wrote Essentialism. And then he wrote a follow-up to it uh, called Effortless. And so in essentialism, he teaches how there's a trivial many and there's an essential few. If you focus on the essential few things and doing those things well, 
It gives you access to such a better life. You have more free time, you're more rested and you're more productive because you're not over striving to try to get everything done. You're doing what really matters and doing it well. Uh, and then effortless was how to look at hard things and say, hmm, how could we make this more effortless? And so creating a system around that, that gets something done in a way that is efficient and expedient really helps you so that you literally put in less effort and get more done. Now, I, I name drop these books because they were helpful to me. And I always want to cite my sources and kind of share uh, not just my opinion on things, but like really helpful, credible resources. But for me, uh, I can see how it can be daunting. Like, man, I got to be good at working out. I got to be good at getting enough rest. How do I do that with kids? I got to be good at taking care of myself spiritually. I got to be good at doing something for my mental health. Like how in the world do I do all that, right? And I think it's really about that effortless piece because these are essential pieces in life. So if it is essential to me that my soul is well, then I can do a first 15. The first 15 minutes of my day, whether I'm in the Abide app doing a, a biblical meditation or I'm just kind of reading or uh, having some worship time with some great music, or just kind of having some prayer time, just doing some meditation, right? That first 15, so good, and it only costs you 15 minutes. You didn't have to be an expert to do that, right? Then the physical health component, that's a tough one. I see that, but it's like finding time when you have the time, like when your kids are away at daycare, uh, if you have that as a resource to you, or just like whatever little, could you wake up a little earlier before your kids are out of bed? Or is there time you can carve out? Now, remember too, you don't have to have a long time for workouts. They don't have to be an hour long. Heart rate elevated, muscles activated, keep moving. That's it. Move your body in a way that means something to you. And as long as your heart rate's elevated and your muscles are activated, you're going to burn fat. You're going to sculpt muscle. You'll do just fine. Um, and then mental health. I'm a big advocate of therapy. I love counseling. Um, and I know that that's been kind of taboo, especially in the church spaces, right? But uh, I saw a t-shirt I loved, and it said, Jesus and therapy. And I loved it so much. It's like, take care of your spirit and take care of your mind. Um, and I think that if we could really simplify it, if we were really willing to get past our excuses, I think we could get honest and we could make the decision that this isn't some crippling, overwhelming, like I got to be good at so many things. It's really just like, let me actually sit with my nice cup of coffee on a day that I don't feel any stress when I can just have a moment undistracted and my phone is on do not disturb and really get clear on my calendar and say, okay, when could I do a free consultation session with a therapist that costs me no money and it has no risk. And I can decide if I want to start, or maybe it's not for me at no risk. Um, when could I work out if I wanted to work out? And how would I do that? What am I into? Because the thing that you love is the thing you're going to stick to and the excuses will fall off of. And the thing you stick to is the thing that's going to bring you results. So finding what that thing is, how to sign up for it, get the information for it and get moving on it. And then just getting that first 15, like simplify the system and then you're in. I love how it's like you and I preach such similar things, but the way that we word it is so different. Cause like you said, the, you know, taking 15 minutes um, in the morning, like just 15 extra minutes. I tell my clients all the time, like, what can you do to be 1% better? Cause I feel like society really has like this all or nothing mindset. Like, yeah, I'm either working out for an hour or I'm not working out at all. And it's like, no, like there is that in between. Like if you get a good 20 minute workout in, like you said, getting your heart rate up, all that good yeah. stuff, it's 
better than not working out at all. And I'm big advocate for sustainability and consistency. Like you need to have those both. I was just listening to a podcast this morning with Stephanie Gass, who was actually on my previous episode. Um, and she was saying like how to get, um, more Jesus time into your life. And she's like, I wake up, she's like, I wake up an hour and a half before everyone else. And, you know, I do my devotional and my Bible reading and all this stuff. And she's like, but when I started out, it was 15 minutes. Like I got up 15 minutes, took did 15 minutes where I just like, you know, read a chapter in the Bible and prayed and that was it. And then we can add on to that. I think that's like what you're saying. We just, what is one little thing I could do that free consult? What's yeah. one little thing, like a, a small workout, some meditation, all that stuff. I think it's just so important everything that you're saying. Cause yeah, there's so many pieces, but we don't need all this time to get it done. We just have to take one step forward, just headed in the right direction. That is beautiful. Yes. One small step forward in the right direction and just finding those ways that it fits already into your current lifestyle. Like, I think we'd be surprised if we really took a look and saw what's possible. And a lot of things overlap. Like, you know, we can walk on the treadmill and, you know, watch an episode, like a little devotional from church. Like there's so many things that we can do at the same time. Such like you're a parent, you know how to multitask. Like we need yeah. to, we, things overlap. Yeah, they really do. You know, I, I also will throw this in there because maybe this is helpful for somebody. My devotional time looks different on different days of the week. So let's say weekday and I get up before my wife and kids. Well, that's beautiful devotion time where I'm in the house The sun is starting to rise, but I haven't opened the blinds yet. Colors are kind of changing with the natural light coming in. And I love it. It's so serene. It's so quiet. And I'll do a little meditation in the Abide app, or I'll do some reading, right? Um, On a Saturday morning, though, I get out of the house. Our neighborhood is kind of in like a wooded area. And I like to get outside and just walk and just like, notice the trees. And I know that for some people, it's like, oh, you're such a hippie, right? But no, it's, I think it's, I think it's something beautiful to that. And I think that we see biblically, even Jesus would go and hike to the top of a mountain to just go get alone and talk to God. If we had mountains here, I would do that too. You know, not that I'm taking it that literal, like, oh, he was in nature. I got to get in nature. But being that I really enjoy nature, I enjoy feeling a breeze. I enjoy watching the trees. I enjoy uh, taking a longer walk sometimes and getting down to the lake in our community and just watching the water. You know, I noticed that I feel less stress when I'm doing that walk. And so my mental clarity is better. And then I'm having that time with God in devotional time. And so what am I doing? I'm moving my body physically because I'm on a walk. I have better mental clarity because I've stepped away from the stress zone and into a place where I just feel like I'm coming alive. And then I'm spiritually doing that work of just like, praying without agenda, without a time limit, without constraint, without let me finish this quickly and get on to my next thing. Like I have that one day a week where my prayers are less of God, here's what I'm thankful for. Here's what I'm asking for. Amen. I get prayer time where I'm just having a conversation with God. Let me get honest with you about this thing. That's really tough that I'm struggling through. And God, would you help me come to an answer on that? Or God, how should I handle this career transition or this next big thing that we're thinking of or this challenge that we're facing. And it just really helps me big time. And it speaks to what you were saying, how everything is connected, right? Yeah. And 
it's funny that like everything that you're saying, because I feel like a lot of us are told like, you know, get on a routine, do this routine, this routine, that routine. And it's like, yes, that's helpful in many ways. But, you know, I think especially spiritually, like we can't let that just be like a routine, like just saying the same prayer every day, like we're supposed to actually connect with God and talk with God. And I love that, like you have your routine Monday through Friday, but then Saturday, it's, it's something different. And it's something where you can really connect spiritually. And everyone needs to remember that whether it's fitness, nutrition, um, you know, your faith, it's not a one size fits all something. And, yeah. you know, you might enjoy hit, you know, I might enjoy boxing. Someone else might enjoy hiking like me and hiking, not my thing. I talk about it all the time. I do not enjoy hiking, but some people, they love it. And if that's what you like to do, then do what you enjoy doing, like not just in fitness. Like I know people, I don't know about you, but people will ask me because I'm about 90% plant-based and people will say, oh, should I be vegan? Should I do this? Should I do that? And it's like, well, what do you enjoy? What works with your body? Like there, if there was one answer to everything, then we'd all be doing it. We would have found that one answer already, but there isn't the answer is like, we have to get to know ourselves and our likes and our body and our need and, and just everything. It's so individual and unique to each and every one of us. Wow. That's so big. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. It's not one size fits all. Um, so just like you said, for, for some people, hiking is the, the move. Like I love getting out and hiking. And then for you, it's not. Now, does that make me more fit than you because I enjoy hiking more? It does not because you are probably more deeply invested into a form of movement that's great for your body that if I were to enjoy and partake in would be incredible for me too. Different lanes driving in the same direction, everybody running their own race toward total human wellness. I think that's beautiful. Hey guys, don't worry, this podcast episode is not over yet. I just wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys a story. So a little over a month ago, I fractured my foot. I dropped a 45-pound weight plate on it. Yeah, hurt really bad. It was, my foot was black and blue. Um, and it took me almost a week to finally decide to go to urgent care. So I go to urgent care to get an x-ray. I was wearing like this big clunky boot that my sister-in-law had for when she like completely shattered her ankle and she gave it to me. It was just taking some weight off of my foot so I didn't have to bend it. So I go there and as you guys know, when you go to the doctor, they the first thing they do is the nurse weighs you. And I'm over here with this giant clunky boot. I'd been sitting in urgent care for over an hour, so I had to pee so bad. I like just ate before going in there. I got off the plane the day before, so I was just like super bloated and I was just like feeling gross. And I got there and I had to go on the scale. And normally this would be something that I dreaded. You know, you go to the scale, you take off, you know, their jackets, your shoes, all this stuff. I had like my running shoes on. Um, so I get on the scale and I see this number and I'm just like, oh Lord, like <laughs> that's a big number. But the funny thing is like, it didn't affect me at all. Cause first of all, I know that number on the scale is not true because like I said, I had this big boot on, I had all this clothes on, I had to pee so bad. And and even if that scale was correct, um, who cares? And it was just, it was just a moment of like this aha moment for me, like, 
wow, I've really made it this far. I've made it so far that going to the doctor and getting on the scale isn't something I dread. It's not something I care about. And it's just amazing to be at this place in my life where something that used to have so much power literally has no power anymore. So if you guys are tired of just kind of being miserable in your own skin, just being so hard on yourself and giving something like the scale that much power, then you know that's what I'm here for. That's why I do my one-on-one coaching. That's why I work with clients to help them heal the relationship with food and heal the relationship with themselves and get to a point where they can really truly live their best life, not let silly things like weighing themselves at the doctor affect their mood for the rest of the day. And they can just change their life without changing their life. So that's what I'm here for. If you guys are interested in any of my coaching, you can go to the link on my Instagram bio and look into that or feel feel free to DM me on any social media platform. And the links will also be in the show notes. But I just want to tell you guys that story to see if you guys relate at all. But let's get back to this great episode with Terry. Can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of it. So how, how do you keep God a priority in all these different aspects of your life and in everything that you do? I just, I put God at the center and my faith is the lens through which I see and do all of this stuff. I'm very driven by my core values. Um, I would encourage anybody listening to take time and really think about what your core values are. And as a matter of fact, at the end of this answer, I'll kind of talk through how to land them, like a a little uh, quick tip to to get there. Um, But yeah, my core values, I have to love people well, which means that if I encounter a person experiencing homelessness, I've got to bless their life in some way. I feel called to do that. Um, I've got to be an impeccable husband and father to the best of my ability. I'll never be perfect, but I'll always be present and and trying. Um, And... I've got to do what I call practicing the ways of Jesus, like not being a person who goes to church on Sunday as a routine, a weekly thing, but a person who every single day is like, you know, those like those bracelets that would say WWJD and they were Mm -hmm. real hot back in the nineties. What would Jesus do? I really try to actually live with that question at the forefront of my mind. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Approach with a difficult decision, having to speak something that I know might be true, but not popular, or, you know, just there's all these uh, moments of tension or moments of uh, um, testing of our character. And I try to not just like, put God first, like just have that time with God at the beginning of the day, but like try to stay in communication and relationship with God all throughout the day, so that it's the lens through which I see the world. And then I can be a little bit more like Christ in how I Um, handle my daily undertakings. So in other words, I'm not trying to find the time to make it so that I can focus on God. I'm simply carrying God with me. It's not like, God, I got to focus on the thousand things on my to-do list today, but I'm going to try to remember you. It's more like, God, I have so much on my to-do list. I can't do it without you. As one of my favorite songs says, I'm not enough unless you come. Would you meet me here again? And he always does. And so now, because I'm in connection with you, I'm able to see through anything that anything that comes along my way. I'm either going to conquer it today or I can shift it tomorrow and I can rest easy tonight. I don't have to be a perfectionist. I don't have to, you know, one thing I love to say is trade in 
reckless striving or restful striding. And that means reckless striding is I'm sprinting. Even though I know I'm bound to get exhausted and run out of gas and fall flat on my face, I might go as far as I can, as fast as I can, and I'll settle for whatever it gets me. But when we trade in that reckless striving for restful striding, we're saying, you know what? One foot in front of the other. I'm steady coming. I'm working toward my goals. My dreams cannot run away from me, but I can run toward my dreams. So if I keep on moving forward in that direction, I'm bound to hit that thing that I'm aiming at. And so I'm in a place of rest, I'm in a place of peace. It might take me longer to get there. It might not happen on my time. It might be a God's timing kind of thing, which is kind of annoying because it takes patience, but I'm going to keep on striding toward it without overstriding. Now, how to land your core values. This is just a fun, simple thing. Won't spend forever on it, but go to the grocery store and buy three large lemons. It's important that you get the large kind, okay? I'm sorry, get four large lemons. What you're going to do is hold three large lemons in one hand at one time and then place a fourth one on a table in front of you. Now, what are these three things in your hand currently such that as you try to reach for that fourth lemon, and that fourth lemon is valued at, let's call it $20 million. So this fourth lemon, and I see Miranda, your eyebrows going up, that $20 million represents the dream of financial freedom. So you'd never have to worry again about your bills. You can pay your house off cash. You can put your kids through college, buy any car you want. If you want to be a philanthropist and bless people, you can. If Take you want to invest in the lemons. stock market, you can. Take all my lemons. <laughs> I like that you said that. That's going to be cool and, and how it plays out to what we're going to do here. So let's say you have three large lemons in one hand at one time. That fourth one on the table is worth $20 million. What are the three lemons in your hand presently such that as you go to reach for that fourth and begin to discover, okay, I'm going to risk one, two, or possibly all of these three, trying to fit that fourth lemon into this same hand while it's holding these three lemons. What are those three things that are in your hand such that if it begins to be a little too tricky to access the fourth, you back off from the fourth because you're saying these three things are more valuable to me. I can't risk. Even just the thought of risking fumbling any one of these three things makes me incredibly uneasy and it's not worth the dream of financial fulfillment. And if you can really answer that question, mind you, this is a one-handed thing, no cheating, no holding three in one hand and using the other hand, put a hand behind your back. There's three in one hand, one on the table, and you're trying to go from three in a hand to four in a hand. What are these three things currently in your hand such that you say, you know what, forget it. It's not worth the risk trying to find a means to access the fourth. And that'll tell you what three things in your life are so valuable to you that you wouldn't sell your soul. Like it's not worth it. You wouldn't compromise. Um, money can't buy you out of your position on how you feel about those three things. And then if you can make it your goal to live into those core values daily, you will feel a greater sense of integrity with yourself. Your mind will be at ease. You will feel more peace, less worry. You will feel uh, less frustration and judgment against yourself. You'll be able to feel self-compassion. And you can't be compassionate to others, ultimately, unless you learn to be compassionate toward yourself. Um, you'll also know, like, I'm rooted in purpose. I have a strong sense of identity. I know who I am and what matters to me and what I'm fighting for. And if you can do that and just view it through the lens of your faith, I think it just makes you live so much more powerfully.
I love that. That that's so true. And it's so important just to find, you know, our own specific values, because I feel like we live in a society where we just, you know, we want the answers and the answers aren't out there. It's, you know, it's within us. And I'm sure most people like listening right now probably couldn't even name like what those, what their own three values are. And of course it gets me thinking, you know, what are my three values? And um, I think it's just so important in there's so many aspects of our life. Cause I've, I read a book, um, you turned by Ashley Stahl. And it's like, when you're trying to find your dream career, like you have to find like your core values first and yeah. you know, what you, what you value. And I learned that something I really value is freedom. Wow. And like, I, that means I can't work a typical nine to five corporate job because that core value that I hold on so tightly to that freedom of being able to go travel. Like right now my husband's deployed and the fact that I was able to go visit my, my family in San Diego and I could just take my work with me instead of being like, no, I I'm going to stay in Connecticut all alone while my husband's gone. It's like, no, I value freedom to be able to, to go. Like, and if my husband gets, you know, a, a random day off because we all know the Navy is so unreliable, so unpredictable, you don't know that I can drop um, or I can schedule things around because, you know, I'm my own boss. And if I wouldn't have really focused on my mindset, and my relationship with myself and finding what I truly value, I don't think I would have, you know, started my own business and been, you know, chasing the dreams that I have. And, you know, probably same for you. Was there like a point where there were certain values you were like, oh man, I'm not on the right path for these values? Wow. Huge question. First, I want to honor you, what you just said there. That's massive. The fourth limit on the table is get a nine to five and have a stable salary and a 401k. And, you know, you can play it safe and have a projection for what your financial future looks like and the whole system is automated and you're like wait a minute I'd have to drop freedom and therefore it's not worth it I don't want the fourth limb and take it back I'm going to hold on to having my own thing going I can go see my husband when I want to if he gets an off day I can take work with me I love that and I commend you for that uh, to answer that question for me did I ever have moments where I felt my values were challenged had to go a different direction yeah um in my early days in the fitness industry, I was just working at like a big uh, gym. I, I worked with like a big box chain, right? And I wasn't feeling it. And then I worked in a private country club and I wasn't feeling it. I was looking around and seeing all these machines across the fitness floor. And I was like, I don't train like that myself. I do body weight work. I do kettlebell work. I like battle ropes and pushing some sleds and I was like, you know what? I think that our bodies are our machines. And I don't think we're meant to sit on expensive chunks of metal, pushing and pulling levers. I feel like we're supposed to move in some more natural movement patterns. And so it wasn't really resonating with me. And that led to me seeking other answers and then ultimately led to my wife and I founding our own gym where we get to set up our system and do it based on what we believe in. And then we've come to find as a blessing that a lot of other people believe in it and and our gym has been well supported and, and that's just been like a confirmation over the years of like, wow, so glad I followed my heart on that one. And I'm living authentically into my core values instead of just saying, huh, I love helping people get fit, which is good because it's something I'm called to. 
but it feels really good to find my unique lane and our unique value proposition within it in a way that really just uh, has passion and purpose behind it. I think that something that really gets in the way in a lot of, of a lot of people's core values, because like you said, you were things that weren't sitting right with you. So you decided to make a change. But I think something that gets in a lot of people's way is the fear of failure. And considering your mindset coach, and this is one of like, my favorite topics is failure. What is your outlook on people who have a fear of failure and how they can overcome that fear? Because, you know, failure is inevitable. And I think sometimes, you know, people rather not chase their core values or their dreams because they are scared to fail. Yeah, well, I think that we, and I say we just meaning all of us collectively, just like a thing that the human brain does, we get so attached to outcomes and we got to release attachment to outcomes. You know, it's tricky because it sounds so counterintuitive, but then we find that when we do that, we actually win. So uh, example, um, Phil Jackson has an incredible book. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be the guy that quotes all the books because I read a book a month, mental health practice, family, feed your brain, read one book every single month. I do it on audible. Cause it's just like easy. I can listen to it while I'm mowing the grass or stuck in traffic, but reading a book a month, great for the mind. One of my favorite books, Phil Jackson, 11 rings and talks about how he as an NBA coach won 11 championship rings. Six with Michael Jordan, five with Kobe Bryant. This guy knows something about leadership mindset because he's obviously able to replicate it over time. So one thing Phil Jackson talked about was setting the environment so that it's as conducive as possible for success and then releasing your attachment to the outcome of success. Like saying, I'm going to do everything I can to set myself up to win. And you know what? Dang it. If I lose, I tried my best and I'm at peace with the effort I put in. So like, we're all good. When you can operate in that zone where you don't feel the stress, the pressure, now you're having fun. Now it's a game. You know, Phil Jackson coached basketball, but we're applying this to business and ministry and life and everything else, no matter what your undertaking is. So like, let's say I want to be the best dad in the world. Well, I can stress myself out and get so anal and type A and perfectionist about this Excel spreadsheet of all these things I got to do by these deadlines. And I'm going to set myself up to fail. Like that is absolutely reckless striving and not restful striding, right? However, if I reposition it, I reframe my focus and I say, you know what? I want to be the world's best dad. What does that mean? It means I got to be present. I got to be authentically engaged, not just sending them on their tablet to play, but like getting on the floor, being the horsey, getting the piggyback rides, playing with the action figures, right? Um, I want to not be uh, so cranky with my kids. So what does that mean? Instead of saying, why is this room such a mess? I say, all right, guys, put on your superhero capes and let's see which of you heroes can get this room cleaned up the fastest. And as long as you're working, dad's helping and we make it a game, right? Doing little things like that. And so now I release the attachment to outcome. Darn, what if I'm not the world's greatest dad? What if I still have some things to work on in the process? What if uh, I suffer comparison and I feel like, oh, my next door neighbor is a better dad than me, right? The cure for all that would be I have set up systems and put forth intention and I'm trying diligently to grow. God's grace is on that. I'm going to be able to grow and advance and do new things as I am faithful with a little 
I'm going to find that I get more and more that I can then be faithful with. So I think releasing attachment to outcomes would be so good for anybody who's struggling with that fear of failure. Um, Bill Russell, a gentleman that's mentioned in the book, 11 rings, he won 11 championships as a player. Now we talked about Phil Jackson as a coach, this guy is a player. And somebody was interviewing him and said, you're the greatest competitor of all time. You won 11 world championships. How did you do it? And he's like, it's funny that you call me a competitor because I never once in my life competed. And that was the secret to my success. He said that if they were in a game and they were losing and their rival was playing really well, it actually got him excited. He felt thrilled for them and not threatened by them because he would see them at the top of their game and it would pull something new out of them. Like, I'm really enjoying my experience. I love these guys we're playing against. I'm rooting for them. I want them to be at their best. I'm genuinely rooting for them, supporting them. Can't wait to hug them after the game. When he would feel those feelings and not animosity, like I hate these guys, I want to beat them. Not pressure, I'm messing up and I got to clean up my act. I got to get this right because I'm losing right now. When he was just simply stress-free, he hit that flow state. Now his shots are falling. Now his ball movement is clean. Now he's crisp. Now he's showing up as his best self. And that's what ultimately led him to winning 11 world championships. He didn't focus on not winning a single one championship. He totally released the attachment to outcomes and just had a good time in the journey. Wow. I, I just think that's, that's so amazing because I think it's true. We are so focused on the destination that we just, you know, ignore the actual journey. And it's like, that's the, that's the long part, you know, this whole life is a journey. And I just think like, I I give, I give this example all the time, because I say that, you know, I don't think God looks at our like political party and says like, you're a good person, you're a bad person, or God looks at something that we do. And it's, you're a good person, or you're a bad person. I think, like, God knows our heart. So there could be, you know, two people who let's say, steal bread from a grocery store, one person's this little angsty teen who who's doing it just to be bad and like to steal bread. And, you know, the other one could be, you know, a struggling mom whose whose kids need some need some food. So yeah. if we just focus at the result or the end or the destination and it's like that's not any part of the whole story, we can't judge judge it based off of that it's the journey it's you know the means to that end you know and just like you said if we're just so focused on the outcome and not the journey to get there I think that we're going to be focused on the wrong things and we're not going to be happy because happiness is a journey not a destination and I just think we're going we're just going to be miserable yeah, we got to protect ourselves from that misery by looking at ourselves with compassion and not judgment. You're so right in everything you just shared right there. Um, I think that we got to look at it like this. You're casting votes for the type of person that you wish to become. With every action you do, with every decision you make, with the thoughts you think, the words you say, you're casting a vote for the type of person that you wish to become. And you don't have to win it by a landslide. That doesn't have to be unanimous, but you got to get that winning vote. So more times than not, you've got to show up as that type of person that you dream of being. So if I want to be a runner, for example, right? I might sign up for a half marathon and begin to train toward a half marathon with the dream of being, hey, on event day, I show up and I run 13.1 miles in this half marathon. What if that event got canceled because of COVID or 
I got injured in training and didn't get to make that event, but I can still sign up for a future event. Well, here are the outcomes. I became the type of person that gets up every morning at 5 a.m. to go run a few miles. My goal might have been to run a 13.1 mile half marathon, but if that event never came, I still became the type of person that's a diligent, focused runner who's getting better with every stride, who's burning some fat, who's putting in the reps, who's getting sharper in mindset from those endorphins on the run. Like there's so much to be said for not just doing the thing, but becoming the kind of person that can live into the value that that thing brings. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, like 10 years ago, before I had kids, before I was married, I, I was so concerned with uh, how, what I'm up to looks to people. I, uh, people's opinions mattered to me way too much. I had to be a superstar. I, you know, I embraced that term celebrity trainer and it was all about what pro athlete am I working with now, right? Um, these days I work with very few professional athletes, but the ones that I do work with are like family and they come over to dinner and hang out with my wife and kids. And we, we call them uncles and aunts to my kids and, and it feels good. It's authentic. And then outside of that, I work with a lot of everyday average people. And before it was almost like I would, from an immature place, want to tell the story of like, look how high profile I am. Whereas now it's just like, look at the, the everyday folks I get to work with. You know, my boy, Travis, who is an attorney and, you know, my buddy, Cara, uh, Caroline, who is a photographer, just like the everyday folks at my gym who I just love, like hearing stories about what their dog is up to. Right. You know, just like living in the moment without having to have some massive story to tell. We got to get free from the fear of failure. And a lot of that is just um, like I said before, in, in finding gratitude for what we have right now. Because gratitude is that superpower that turns what we have into enough, right? And so if you're at peace with where you are right now, even if it's not where you plan to be, you give yourself access to the ability to continually grow and to learn and to not have a fixed mindset where everything that happens to you is so condemning and just telling you that you're not good enough. You can enter a growth mindset. Anything that happens to you is just information and opportunity. Okay, got that feedback. Learn from that. This might not work out the way I thought it would, but now I have opportunity to pivot, switch, and now continue forward. And I think that's how we unlock growth. I think that's how we do away with a lot of uh, undue stress and frustration and condemnation we put on ourselves. And that's how we, we live into that big thing that you talked about, freedom. Like just being free to get back up and try again, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Like we're still here. Exactly. And, you know, I'm sure that, like you're so much happier. I can just see how you light up just even talking about, you know, your everyday clients that you talk to and you're just so much happier with where you are now than where you were before. And I think from outside perspective, people would assume the opposite, like, because you're with more high profile people that that would, you know, bring more happiness and, and purpose. But it's, I think it's mostly because of where your head was at. It really didn't yeah. have to do with the people you were working with it was the reason you were working with them and why and your motivation your motivation behind that yeah it's huge there definitely was a change of heart that led to a change in my mind you know there was this appreciation for what was right in front of me and there was a, a releasing of what it looks like or what story could be told of it you know, and really just like 
I'm living into this freaking awesome moment. Like I'm here coaching at the gym. My wife and I started as a total hole in the wall. We took every financial risk imaginable. And wow, the room is full of average everyday people who wanna be great today, who didn't make excuses, who got out from under those bed covers, who are willing to sweat for it, who I can also have an incredible conversation with after the workout about how life's going outside of the workout. Like, this is so cool. This is relationship. This is community. This is fellowship. And it's being done in a way that's changing somebody's life. Like, come on. Like, I'm just so grateful and blown away and honored. Like, I feel humbled that I even get the opportunity to be trusted by anybody, to walk with them in that, in that way, you know? Yeah. And like the fact that like where you got to where you are today, like, yeah, you can call these other things failures, like, you know, working at a country club or working at a commercial gym. And it's like, no, like those are learning opportunities. Cause how are you supposed to know like what you did and didn't like, and what lit you up and what didn't light you up and let, until, you know, you experience that. Cause what if you never would experience that and you would have, you know, put all your finances and all your hard work into, you know, maybe having another commercial gym, you know, having a little sister gym of it or something like that, instead of actually starting your own business, like that's not failure. That's a learning opportunity to even learn like what doesn't work for you to point you in the right direction. So I think people need to stop thinking of failure as a bad thing. It's no, it's helping you, you know, learn what direction you're supposed to be going in and, you know, like when you play deal or no deal, yes, you opened that case and it wasn't what you wanted, but now it's one less case you have to open and you're closer to the million dollars. <laughs> That's right. If we knew how many no's it would take to eventually get our yes, we would be praising God every single time we get a no. Like, yes, that's I'm one step closer to my yes. You know, when we founded the gym, we were looking for a physical space to put it into. So we're looking at these places to try to get a lease on and seven times in a row, we got no, we got to know because your concept isn't yet proven. It's just an idea on paper. We got to know because, Hey, this is your first time. We don't deal with rookies. You got to have a track record. We got no's because, Hey, we want to charge this and you can't afford that. We got all these no's and every time it hurt our hearts so bad. Then we finally got our yes. And it was like, wow, we see now why this is our yes. And those were not our yes. Some of those places, now that we know, now that we're in there, now that we're operating, we're like, whoa, that place would have been way too much square footage. We'd been wasting money paying for that and not using it. Or this other place, oh my goodness, it's so unfortunate. We, we pray for the people who were affected by it, but after a big storm, that place flooded out. Man, praise God, that wasn't a yes for us. We got the yes that was right for us. And I think it's kind of funny that as I'm driving through Houston to get to our facility, I literally drive past our nose on the way to our yes. And there's such a story in that too. Um, we got to embrace the closed doors because there's a door that is open for you. There's something that you're passionate about, that you're good at, that's gonna bless the heck out of somebody else. And where there's the intersection of those things, there is purpose. And if you're in integrity, you're aligned with character, and you're, you're focused on purpose, there's a destiny moment where one of these doors is going to open and you walk into it and it's the place where you feel the most enjoyment and you have the most impact and you are blessing the most people possible. But on the way to that, yes, you've got to endure a few no's. And I just, I love what you said there, Miranda, because it's so true. If we, 
if we just knew how many no's there were to get to our yes, we, we'd embrace every single no. We'd rejoice in the no, knowing that it leads to an eventual yes. And so I want to remind anybody who is just seeing those no's, those closed doors, those quote unquote failures, this is all just a long journey toward victory. And um, being the first guy on this show, I'm going to give another sports analogy. I hope ladies don't mind it. But <laughs> every year we see world champions being crowned. And they're never undefeated. They always have losses on their record, right? So there was the Golden State Warriors. They broke the Bulls record a few years ago. We're in a regular season of the NBA. And ladies, that's 82 games long. They only lost nine games the entire season. So they went 73-9 and nine in an 82-game season, which is incredible. And then you know what? That same year, they lost the world championship. However, there was a year where they had tons more losses in the regular season. And at the end of the season, they were world champs, which was the better season. Give me more losses and give me my ultimate win. That's what I'm in for. And so I'll lean into every loss. I'll lean into every quote unquote failure. And I'll just say, God, thank you. Thank you for that closed door because it helps to steer me closer to that eventual open door that you've arranged, you've determined it's going to come in your timing and not my own. And really, my only job here is to be patient because the pressure is off of me. God, you said it. You're going to bring it to be. So the pressure is on you. But my reliance and my trust and my hope is in you. So I'll pray like it all depends on God. And I'll grind like it all depends on me. And ultimately, I'll be at peace with the knowing that I don't have to get it right or be a perfectionist or uh, cross every T and dot every I. All I got to do is just make sure I'm in alignment with my core values, viewing my situation through the lens of my faith and just saying, I'm here. I'm, I'm showing up as my best self and I'm at peace. Wow. I love that. I love all that. And, you know, just, just the positivity and growth mindset that you have is just so amazing. So where can our listeners, you know, get more of you and connect with you and just really learn more about you? Oh yeah. I'm easy to find on Instagram, Terry, the trainer. Um, there's no punctuation or, um, underscores in that just type in literally terry the trainer as one word on instagram and you'll find me uh go ahead and shoot me a dm say what's up i'm, I'm not into this like self-importance stuff or trying to be some superstar if you listen to this and enjoyed it and it resonated with you hit me up give me a holler we're authentically friends for real from this day forward and i look forward to connecting with you um and then just through my instagram account i'm also kind of sharing little tidbits here and there about ember and stoke my new coaching collective and what we're up to. we got some fun things going down. Uh, one thing we're doing right now is called Campfire Collective. We'll have these small cohorts of eight or nine people. Um, it's a very small cost to entry. And it's a five-week online course through Zoom. Where we're just doing some conversational coaching. And a lot of times, like, really big things get unlocked for people where they're like, I understand now. This was what was standing in the way of me being at my best. So, uh, yeah, Terry the Trainer, hit me up. Let's connect. And I got some fun stuff to explore with you all. Awesome. I will make sure to put your Instagram name in the show notes so people can, can connect with you. And just thank you so much, Terry, for taking the time. And you gave so many amazing book references. But to end it, if you could tell our listeners one book right now to pick up, which one would you recommend? Oh, that's such a good question. One book to pick up. I'm going to go with Atomic Habits by James Clear. And here's why. He defines the word atomic two ways. One, atomic, the atom, the smallest possible component of something. And two, atomic, an explosion, sudden, widespread, devastating impact. 
right? And he talks about how our habits are both of those things. It's the smallest possible thing you could change in your life. And it has the biggest possible ripple effect of explosive change in your life. So if we can change one small habit, we can change an entire, I mean, there's speaking from a mindset standpoint and like just neuroscience, like the neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you can get your brain to function in a different way temporarily as you pick up a new habit, it's going to hard set a brand new program where you now live on a different level and you're able to have access to so much better functioning daily. And then spiritually too, our habits are everything. We talked about that first 15 or taking some time uh, to just get quiet and be with God. I love the saying, get quiet to live loud. Man, you have so much more impact if you have that time alone. Um, and establishing that habit is game changing. And then also for the physical fitness component, I know that that's tough for people. How do I work my schedule around it? How do I find what I like? How do I figure out budget? Hey, running is always free, but <laughs> find what works for you. But Atomic Habits would be that one book that I would recommend because it just really shows how spending a couple of months focusing in on changing the way that you naturally do things will put new hardwire into your brain and motivate your body and reinvigorate your spirit to just be effortlessly functioning at a higher level in everything you do. Game changer. Heck yeah. I'm going to add that to, to my reading list because you know, it, from what it sounded, you don't have to change your life to change your life. Boom. You know, just those small atomic habits. I love that. That is so awesome. Thank you so much again, Terry. It was so great talking with you and everyone make sure to follow him on Instagram and connect with him. Thank you. This was awesome. All right, you guys, that is it for today's episode. But before we go, um, a new thing I want to start doing is ending my podcast in prayer. I, that is something that God has been putting on my heart lately, and I think it would just be so awesome. So this is going to be the first episode with the guy and the first episode that we are ending in prayer, and neither of those are going to stop anytime soon. All right, so if you can, please join me in this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for for this community that I'm a part of, that I can talk to other fellow Christians who are going to help me grow in my faith and that I can, you know, talk to others to help them grow in their faith too and just help us all grow closer to you and depend on you so we can find our core value to live out our purpose that you put us on this world for. We just thank you so much for this amazing life that you've given us and let us not take it for granted and let everyone have a great week and just let them know how beautiful and wonderful and uniquely made that they are, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.